We've talked about transgender issues before, but what about trans race? Let's get into it. So, we've talked about transgender issues before, and I've heard this argument a few times, but I've never really thought that much about it. Um, and then Richard Dawkins goes to Twitter and posts this. He says, in 2015, Rachel, uh, Rachel Dalzell, a white chapter president of the NAACP, was vilified for identifying as black. Some men choose to identify as women, and some women choose to identify as men. You will be vilified if you deny that they literally are what they identify as. Discuss. <laughs> so, uh, this week we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, this argument, um, kind of equating, you know, if you can identify as, you know, any gender, can you identify as any race? Uh, this week, I've got with me, uh, as my trusty analytical co-host, JJ's back. How you doing, man? Good. Been a really busy day, and um, really looking forward to getting some... The opinions on the panel today are going to be really strong and really uh, personal, so it'll be yeah. very enlightening for me. I think so, too, because um, we've got... Uh, Kristen is back from uh, episode 22 when we talked about uh, trans issues, uh, welcome back, uh, Kristen. Thank you very much. I'm excited to uh, to jump into this. Yeah, me too. And then we also have Ryan joining us, uh, who's one of JJ's friends, um, and he's going to be kind of presenting his perspective, uh, especially from like the black community. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, and I'm excited to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, and I, I even posted about it on my Facebook page uh, a little earlier today just to kind of get a little bit of feedback. And um, some people did definitely sound interested. Um, some kind of had more of a perspective of, you know, that kind of sounds like a trash argument, uh, just kind of sounds dumb. And then some other people, <laughs> you know, said more along the lines of, well, I mean, I, I don't really know uh, anything about that, but um, I might be you know, more inclined to kind of just give the benefit of the doubt because, uh, you know, Rachel seems to have done a lot, uh, you know, in support of, uh, you know, with, you know, the NAACP. And so she's, she's tried to do a lot of work and she seems to be, you know, really, um, genuine in her motives, uh, although you can't really know somebody's motives. Um, so I got kind of a variety of different takes just kind of generally, but not a lot of people seem to have really, thought through it, you know, that deeply. So I thought it would be kind of an interesting conversation just to kind of tackle since it's made its way into mainstream public discourse, you know, along with uh, Richard Dawkins' tweet. So where should we start? <laughs> There's so much to unpack here, so. There really is. How about well, uh, how about I start by unpacking where I first ran into the argument? Like I did, we touched this before the show, but yeah. I'll, we'll put it on tape here. Is I was uh, in the uh, sewage of a Facebook comment section, <laughs> having a blast. <laughs> that happens a lot. And, yes, it does. I am notorious for it. Yeah, me as too. As Ryan has sorely witnessed many times. Um, and Thomas too. Boy, yeah. boy, how do you, we've had some oh, fun. Yeah, but uh, Roll, rolling around in the dirt. I was arguing about gender identity with some people that didn't believe that trans people had a legitimate identity that they were referring to. And one person who was not from the United States, it appears, I'm thinking Great Britain, but I don't remember why that's popping into my head. But definitely, because he made the comment, you're from America, you should be able to figure this out, though. It isn't that hard. And uh, what he kept was doing was every time I would make a comment uh, talking about some different argument about gender identity and why it's valid, he would just post up a picture of Rachel Dolezal. And um, 
Rachel Dolezal, as we Thomas introduced us, or talked about in the introduction, was a white woman who identified as black. And the implicit argument that he was making was that if gender identity, if gender is a social construct and race is a social construct, then if it's acceptable for a person to identify as a gender that is non-conforming to the social norms they find themselves in, there is there seems to be no argument against a person identifying with a race that's different than the social norms that they find themselves in. And uh, I think that that's a good place to, to reach out and to have one of our two panelists talk about it from their perspective. Ryan, you want to you wanna go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I could go ahead and shoot. So a couple things. The biggest... I think um, I think one of the bigger foundational points that needs to be made about this discussion is that um, not a lot of Americans seem to make this argument. Um, I've seen Americans be immensely disrespectful to the idea of transgender Americans, but it hasn't been in any way related to Rachel Dolezal. It's been more more things that are more absurd, like, you know, Matt Walsh saying that that was like his kids being a T-Rex and, you know, just really absurd ideas that are come that from them. They show that there's no desire to actually respect what's happening. Um, but it also hinges on the idea of essentialism for both gender and race. And that's critical because essentialism basically is the idea that, um, definitions for groups of people are absolute. So um, it, it, it's really a trash idea, especially when you think about gender, because people confuse gender and sex, and gender is definitely a construct that's built over thousands of years, whereas race is a construct that was created essentially to uphold classism while justifying and further entrenching the transatlantic uh, slave trade. Um, essentialism flies in the face of science. Uh, things do evolve. Uh, even if you look at census data from the entire history of the U.S., you see the racial categories changing. So um, people who argue that uh, people like Rachel Dolezal are similar to a trans person transitioning um, like are hinging on this idea that fundamentally is flawed in the first place. I think it's important to understand that um, and understand that things, things evolve and change. It's not, you know, the assumption is that there is this absolutism and, and what is black, who is black. And even though it's pretty strongly, you know, there's some obvious things, it's really not, um, it's really not something that doesn't evolve. Uh, for example, um, for a lot of Jim Crow, if you were one sixteenth black, you were black. So if you passed as white, but you had any black blood in you at all, then you were black. Whereas now there are people who um, can choose in that situation, whether they want to pass as white or whether they want to identify as black. And that's totally okay. And whatever decision is justifiable. Um, I'll leave it. I'll leave it there. And, uh, before I ramble too much. Okay. Well, um, I'm kind of of the same opinion. Um, I mean, I'm I'm an eighth Indian, so I have one eighth Indian in my background. I don't claim to be an Indian. Um, I'm trans. However, the difference I think my my differences is rather than most trans women or trans men um, is I'm actually intersex. So I actually have a, you know, my gender markers do not match my assigned birth, sex at birth, um, or my assigned gender at birth. Um, so I'm actually correcting a birth defect. Um, I, I just don't see how, uh, how um, equating race um, has to do anything with how um, 
your what your gender is. I, I it's it's like comparing apples and oranges. Well, yeah, I mean, like they're both fruit, but they're yeah. not the same. Well, I they're mean, when you say different, that, would you say there are like are typically different traits between genders, like that you tend to associate more with one or the other, or is that kind of off? Well, I mean, everybody has their stereotypes. Right. You know, I mean, um, you know, girls are supposed to like pink and supposed to play with Barbie <laughs> dolls. And um, so I'm not your typical girl. I mean, yes, I have plenty of dresses in my closet, and my high heels, and, and I, you know, I wear makeup on occasion when I go out, but I rarely wear makeup. And in fact, you know, <laughs> I'm lucky if I get dressed most mornings um, because I work from home. So, right. you know, um, but well, I, I mean, I feel like that's even more to me, that's more socially uh, influenced. Like those are just kind of social expectations for gender roles. Right. And, but, and I, I don't think um, I don't think in, in public I, I present as me. Um, I'm just right. always me. I, I can't change who I am. Um, so if I want, but I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I can claim Indian. In fact, I can claim it on my taxes and everything else that I, if I wanted to in my life, but I'm not because I just, I, I feel like I'm taking away from, from the Indians if I right. went and did something like that. Well, like, I, I don't know, like maybe <clears throat> whenever I think of like my gender, um, as a, as a male, uh, or a, a man, I, I kind of tend to think of not so much like, you know, pickup trucks and cars and you know the kind of the stereotypes i i tend to think more of kind of how i socially interact um you know who i'm attracted to i i'm straight and male so i kind of tend to be attracted to women and um you know straight women tend to be attracted to me or gay men would be attracted to me uh because of kind of how i express um gender wise how does that kind of work for you like what what is it that makes you identify with um you know being a woman just knowing who i am i i it's really i kind of um just being feminine i mean yeah i can never have kids right. in the way that i would love to have kids uh, i mean i'd love to be a mom but that's just not going to happen i i have children um right. and they've recently just started calling me mom which is amazing but um it's uh, i guess just what i would like others to to see me as um right. and it, it's I, I I mean I do a lot of guy things. I'm 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 a I'm a hardcore gamer. I love to game, but there's a lot uh, of women that do too now too. But yes, um, my wife does. I mean that's I don't consider that that gendered myself. It, but it's it, it 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 is in certain 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 types of situations and types of games, I guess, because I do a lot of uh, tabletop um, are, uh, board games um, like Warhammer and things like that. But yeah. um, and those are mostly male dominated. Uh, my wife arenas. plays Call of Duty, so <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So if uh, if I were sitting on the the antithetical side of the keyboard here, I might point out that someone could say that make that same claim about a transracial identity. Well, see, that's where I have kind of a hard time trying to assign like intrinsic traits to races because i don't think that that's a thing like, but in we the have end, we have femininity but, and masculinity between genders but i i don't know that we have something like that for races i mean ryan but, what is it that leads you like i assume that you identify as a black person like what does that mean for you yeah I, i'm glad Kristen brought up the um her uh some of her heritage or at least like genetic makeup because I um, should preface this by saying it similarly, I'm an ace Cherokee and don't identify as a native American, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> and my, and if you saw my family like my grandmother and my great aunts look literally like they're Cherokees, you know, like it's very, very clear that it's there, but we identify as black. Um, because the general, there's a, you know, 
there is a lot of generational things that have happened for centuries that have passed down from like my my parents, their parents, and their parents that lead us to live as Black Americans. Um, aside from the fact that that's basically the the majority of our genetic makeup, and with with and I think it's really important to distinguish that this is really a conversation that's. Uh, critical to the Americas. I mean, Europe to a degree, obviously, um, but really heavily the Americas because race was so foundational. The creation of the idea of race was so foundational to so many things that happened in the colonies and then later um, provided some foundation to how the U.S. was formed and governed initially and how it evolved, how we've evolved as a country. Um, Black people don't, most black people don't have really a choice to identify with anything other than black. Like you are, you know, my ancestors were stripped of their tribal identities and taken to a different country. And then that knowledge was beaten and tortured out of a lot of them. So um, when you have things like Bacon's Rebellion, where you have, you know, poor Europeans and Native Americans and, you know, freed and enslaved um, Black people rebelling basically against aristocracy for unfairness and the culmination of a bunch of other things similar to that, as well as like enlightenment pressure and rejecting it, lead to us, lead us to eventually create quote unquote teams, you know, being on the quote unquote white team in America is normal now. But initially, that's a decision, you know, and every um, this is all a preface. Sorry. But like if you look at the history of immigration in the U.S., every ethnic minority, not every, but a a lot of the ethnic minorities in the U.S. or that immigrated to the U.S. over the 19th and 20th century are now considered white. Um, And it's like the anti-blackness versus the growing closer to, quote unquote, whiteness. You know, you'd argue that Italians were the last people to officially join the white team. And I personally know Italians who don't consider themselves as white. Um, so when you when you track that back to um, an argument that like someone making a decision for a birth defect or gender dysphoria or anything along those lines is the same as somebody choosing to leave a position of privilege um, and coming into identifying as something because it's a decision like it's not there's no there's no biological thing that happens that they're being forced to respond to for their for their physical mental and emotional health you know it's not like there's it's just not it's just not comparable at all um that doesn't mean that there aren't white people who are accepted as black by black communities because that is a thing that exists i was just hanging out with a a Jewish friend, um, I was, you know, and I was in a relationship with a Jewish woman for most of college and a little bit after. And um, one of the things that my family would say with her when she'd visit, they'd say, oh, you you act just like a black woman. You might as well just like pretend that we might as well just pretend that you're black. And even to a deeper level than that, there are white people who grow up in black communities raised by black families who those communities identify and, and accept them as black. But that's something that is community designated and not something that they choose. You know, a lot of people I know who I know people who are in that situation who still don't feel like it's respectful for them to identify as black, but they're comfortable being accepted as black by the communities who have done that with them. Does that make sense? That, actually, that makes perfect sense. Um, my my older brother is black. He's not my biological brother, but he's my brother uh, through you know. Brother from another mother, as he likes to put it. And I'm his little sister, period. End of story. Um, and um, so – and I have, I have, you know, been accepted into the black community through him. And they, they treat me as though I'm his sister, period. Um, and so I kind of understand where you're coming from. Now, my, my whole my, – my other thing is, is so – so we we talked about you know um race but race is more than just a social construct race is actually has you know you can take and send your genetic code 
um, into into and have it analyzed, and they'll tell you where you're from. Right. Well, and you can't do that to a trans person usually. <laughs> well, and like race doesn't really correlate very well with genetics, right? Like you you can have people within you know one quote race that can be more genetically diverse than people between races. So that I, I, that is kind of somewhat arbitrarily chosen based on like right. you know more cosmetic like, like, features, just the exactly. way people look, basically. But 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 there is there is some basis in it, right? Um, so like um like I'm mostly German, like seventy five percent German, and and I'm in, you know or whatever it is, and I'm, and then I have a little tiny bit of Indian, um, but I'm mostly German. Um, and I can trace my trace that you know I can actually send in my thing, and they're going to tell me yes, most of your your background is German, um, most of your genetic code is German, and they could tell me that I'm going to st- I'm still an American, I'm still white, I'm uh, you know I'm not an Indian, I even though I have Indian blood running through me, I'm not Indian. So it's the same kind of the same kind of um, what ba- Thomas was saying. He identifies as he, he is black and and he does have Cherokee in his background, but he identifies as though he's black, even though he could say he's Cherokee. And I will say also that there is but just I try to I'll try to be brief here, but um, three, I think, like drop. Uh, sorry, I'll say three examples that kind of deal with this um just like identification versus awareness of construct versus awareness of people's perceptions uh probably the most famous one is um logic the rapper you know he's grammy nominated he has number one out a couple number one albums pretty famous uh probably you know pretty pretty huge guy he um very rarely uses the n-word in his raps mostly you know and there are black people who identify as black and clearly are black who choose not to do that for various reasons um but he chose not to do it because there there are always people who think that he's white and he literally is half black and if you look at if you look logic up you know it's very understandable that somebody would assume that he was just a white rapper who was really good um so his recognition of perception leads him to make certain decisions, even though he was raised in a black family um, and is actually half black. There's a YouTuber uh, who goes by Daddy Fat Snaps, who is a similar thing, grew up in the hood, uh, part black. Uh, not that you have to grow up in the hood to be black, just like he grew up in a rough environment and all of his family and people around him were black. Um, and he's every so often, similar thing to logic, you know, and it's shocking to some people. Because he could pass as just like a, you know, you're, you know, somebody whose parents are Italian or Polish or something, but he's black. Um, And his kid is a blonde, blue eyed baby. He has a blonde, blue eyed son. And there's a little bit of a joke on a group text I'm in of of some rappers. Like, so is DPS's kid going to be able to get away with saying the N word? And that's a nuanced conversation that's totally separate. I definitely don't want to do that rabbit hole thing. But it's just an easy, it's just an easy A example. The third thing is my family. I believe, Thomas, you were talking about. how you know there are different shades and whatnot and uh as far as people who are black or brown you know whether they're you know asian or uh latino or hispanic um and my family's actually like that you know uh i have i have mothers who you know different fathers in some cases but they're i have cousins and aunts whose kids are totally different shades and my family reunions look like rainbows um one of my one of my one of my uh, first cousins actually actually one of my sorry one of my second cousins um he's black but we have uh, you know we have black and native american ancestry in our family his mother his dad is white um he just looks completely uh he barely looks like he might have any anything other than like a white american in him he's married to a white woman their kids look completely white um and i don't know where where that upbringing came from or how those kids identify because I haven't seen them forever, but there are kids in that situation who identify as black. Um, and that's how they were raised. So, uh, that's, that's not, you know, it goes back to the essentialism argument. 
that it's essentialism doesn't work. It doesn't work with race. It doesn't work with gender. Arguments against transgender transitioning are predicated on something that's a far scientifically in the first place, I guess is my point. Right. Um, I was trying to think of how, how I wanted to word that. Um, Cause you talked a lot about it being, largely you know based on perception and kind of experience and sort of the context socially uh you know with your background uh and that kind of all defines you know what what race you get categorized into is that is that right yeah pretty much okay um like i can kind of get like growing up in a different culture you know, growing up in a culture of people that are of a different race than you, and you just kind of, like you talked about, just kind of being accepted into that, into that group. Um, but to me, that that it still doesn't seem equivalent because they're they're basically making a, an equivalence between gender and race. Where like I I don't even know if anyone has ever expressed feeling racial dysphoria. <laughs> Um, you know, the way that people have with gender or even, you know, uh, kind of as Kristen had talked about before, even trans people who don't experience uh, dysphoria, you know, experiencing, you know, like gender euphoria, where you just feel happier and more who you are, um, you know, as a specific gender, um, where to me, I, I, I'm just not recognizing any kind of a racial influence like and maybe i'm not convinced entirely that gender is entirely socially constructed i i mean what do you what do you think about that um kristen do you think that it's well that do you think there could be other influences as to you know oh, what there's, causes there's, you to there's 100 percent other other influences um because otherwise they, you wouldn't experience the dysphoria or euphoria um yeah i don't have right? gender dysphoria but i do have euphoria Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm happier being me than I am living a lie. Um, oh, definitely. I, but I definitely think that there's other in, things that impact um, being trans. Um, and there are things that we don't even that they're they're looking for. Uh, you know, but they do. The, so some of the some of the studies that I've read um, that have taken people who are trans and people who are straight, who are cis um, and done, they've done brain scans of them and trans people actually uh, their, their brain scans looked more similar to a cis woman or a cis man, depending on what they, what they identified with than it did uh, them as the, as the, as the gender they were born. Or gender right. they were assigned at birth, and that's something you can't say about different races. I mean, like exactly. <laughs> it seems to me that like different racial quote traits would mostly just be you know experiential, it, depending on your socioeconomical status or you know um, your particular culture, who who, what group of people you've grown up around, and it, I, I don't like to try to make some kind of a claim that you know there's some kind of an essential intrinsic racial trait to me is starting to sound you know kind of nazi-esque eugenics scary territory at least that's kind of how it strikes me yeah yeah definitely um 100 agree there and even you know i think it's also very easy to go down or i've seen this happen more than the roots of this conversation actually what i'm about to say which i've seen people take the statement that gender is a construct and race is a construct as they're not r real things that are influenced by actual physical, environmental, biological factors and whatnot. Um, right. And obviously, you know, I'll speak more to the race side of that, but um, it's, you know, the construct is the idea that, you know, teams were created and then we built a country off of it. Like one of the first compromises of the government and the formation of our union was a three-fifths compromise. And there's so much DNA of the country that is based on the construct of race that um, white supremacy finds a way to somehow consistently damage 
our social structures and, 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 you know, put us at risk in some ways from a national security standpoint. Um, it's just that deep in our DNA, but that doesn't mean as a country, but that doesn't mean that, uh, <laughs> so not, not biological DNA, right? <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, you know, <clears throat> it's more that, you know, it would be like, it should be that I'm a black American, but you know, my family is Ghanaian or, Sudanese or Congolese or something like that, and that's something that we know, and we are, and and we're lumped into being Black Americans. But a lot of us don't know that, or you know, we might know it from Ancestry.com or something. Now, you know, in the last couple of decades, where that's been possible, but prior to that, that's not something that you would know. You would just know that you were Black, and that's kind of the the construct part of it because that was created, and that doesn't really exist anywhere that. And that and that same thing doesn't exist anywhere that wasn't impacted by the transatlantic slave trade. Um, right. So it's not like it's not real. The construct thing is something that's really more with classism and, and power. Right. I, I I I even feel like you know two people of different races that are within the same socioeconomical class probably have a lot more in common you know with each other than you know, people within the same race who are vastly in different classes, you know, a billionaire versus somebody, you know, making minimum wage, probably, you know, and of course, in the context of the United States, you know, we do have kind of a history with a lot of racism that black people experience things that white people just simply don't. Um, but I I would kind of bet that, you know, somebody who's a, a billionaire probably has far less in common with you than somebody that's, you know, of a different race that is kind of you know living a similar lifestyle that you are yeah i have a lot of thoughts on that but i'll punt uh so it's not so <laughs> hey, push back I, by all means please do no i don't think it's wrong i think i mean you know um these conversations are funny because uh there's a lot of a there's a lot of agreement. I guess you know. I guess I've been in plenty of conversations um, that are similar. But uh, there's a thing I'll say. Um, if you if you watch Judas and the Black Messiah, they quoted Fred Hampton where he says, "We don't fight uh, racism and capitalism with black capitalism. We fight it with socialism," um, and that really lends to, and I'm, you know, I'm definitely not trying to go down that rabbit hole either, but there is a huge dialogue right now about black and brown capitalism um, and how um, we're seeing that we've, we, you know, we have all these uber wealthy black people who they're still like, you know, they're still going to experience a different reality than a super wealthy white person, right. but sure. their realities are vastly different than you know my middle class reality or my family's working class reality um and also to that point uh before donald trump there was no rift in a lot of the people there wasn't much of a rift in a lot of the people i grew up around i grew up in the woods of alabama um and all everybody was poor it was white people and black people and they were poor yeah. so the white people and the black people raised each their parent they raised each other's kids they all grew up together so, you know, a lot of the things that issues that came up politically, they just thought were stupid because it was just people find it. They just viewed a lot of political things as a, a money grab. Um, they weren't worried about that. You know, it was like my family was, quote unquote, poor, but also not because we grew up on the mouth of a river. So nobody's spending money on food, all that stuff. But the point is, there are a lot of poor black people, and poor white people that were raising each other's kids and whatnot. Um, nothing really there was not there weren't really a lot of problems with that outside of rifts being created politically uh because uh similarly to what we're talking about there were a lot of poor middle class white people who viewed themselves in the same light as Donald Trump a billionaire whose father owned a significant portion of New York um and in the, I guess in a uh, I guess more direct sense there are people who listen to hip hop artists and act like, you know, my balling is the same as Jay-Z's balling. And it's just not. Um, and that that misunderstanding, that lack of awareness, I think is really critical to um, 
a lot of things, a lot of aspects of this conversation. Right. I am I so white. I don't know what that distinction means. <laughs> Your bowling <laughs> versus Jay Z's bowling. <laughs> um, like I, I, I could infer that you're talking about the the fact that you are different levels of class. Yeah, completely. You know, Jay Z is basically a billionaire. Um, I have a I have a middle class income. You know, right now barely. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you know how wide I am. You watch me play guitar for that very one of Kansas City's coolest <laughs> prog hip hop bands, and sometimes I talk. And man, I'm sure that you, you know, you and you Komet and Kim and Ashley, I'll look at each other and be like, oh, don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> but like these are these are all social things. Like I these aren't things that are like, you know, influenced by like your brain structure or. Well, hang on. Here's yeah. where I might step in. Yeah, go ahead. Um, th- There's some superficial lines that, that do get drawn when we're talking about a physical relationship to a social category. Um, And there is a distinction to be drawn, but why we draw that distinction is, is, is important. I feel like. Like, we can say, like, th- there seem to be some physical characteristics about gender identity that do seem tied up in the biology of a person. Like, of one that I've talked about very often because I learned it from my, my superhero, uh, Robert Sapolsky, was he was asked about transgender people. And he talked about a study that analyzed the frontooccipital uh, fasciitis, fasciacolis which is a section of the brain that, depending on your sex, traditionally, is different for people that identify as male versus female. But when they looked at the frontooccipital... Oh, man. It's like that word. We always run into a word now. (laughs) Occipital fasciacolis. When they looked at that section of the brain in people who were transgender and people who were elderly and always felt like the other gender, they were able to identify that those brain regions matched the gender that they identified with. Correct. Right. So we are talking about a physical characteristic with which we choose to put people or with which people choose to put themselves into buckets. Now I'm going to develop this. Like I don't want to settle when people in America were talking about race, they were doing something similar. They were using a, physical characteristic and using it to identify what bucket, what team they would be signed up to. The important distinction between these two buckets is one of these buckets arguably affects the phenomenology of your own experience, whereas the other is a bucket that is entirely imposed upon you by the social constructs at the time. Right. Now I don't know what that means, but I I feel like that that is a that is an important distinction in differentiating between the claim of transracial identity versus the claim of transgender identity. Is one of those is a is a phenomenology, like there is an experience of your qualia that you identify with, versus the other one where you look at an at a team, and then through entirely separate social preferences decide that you would rather switch teams. Right. So you basically you're saying, you know, like the experience between a black person and a white person does exist, but it's not for the same reasons. It's not because they have a different brain structure. They're not experiencing things differently because of how they're composed. They're experiencing things differently because of like the more social context of their existence versus gender, which can be influenced by things like your brain structure, which is not the same as, you know, being imposed by society. Is that kind of what you're saying? I, I, yeah. Now, having thrown this idea out there, what do our two panelists think about that distinction that I posed? Well, I mean, I actually think you're right because I've actually read some similar articles, kind of the same thing that I was just, I alluded to earlier. Um, 
it, it's a matter of how I see myself versus what society. I, I that's really. I know who I am, and that's never going to change. Um, I know, you know, um, yeah, I could walk up to somebody who who I I deem as black and 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 identify as them as black because that's probably how they identify. Um, I mean, nobody's going to walk up to and identify me as an Indian. I'm white. Um, I'm not going to even do that. So. Uh, it's easier to, I guess, identify somebody's race by what their appearance is. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. What if somebody I, used the argument um, similarly with gender? Well, okay. Well, yeah, but see, so i actually have some some friends who are gen um they've decided that they i still identify as so the one person i'm thinking of identifies as female however will never transition okay um still uses he um still identifies as a woman but will never transition because of societal issues um and does not want to deal with all of the baggage that comes along with transition that's fair um what about somebody who claimed that they identified as a different race under the same terms and just didn't wouldn't make any kind of a transition for the social you know fallout that would happen but they still identified as a different race in in the end let everybody be who would be whoever the fuck they want to be pardon my french but that's welcome You're fine. in the end does it really matter <laughs> Um, I worry that that gives a certain credence to the to the claim that Rachel Dolezal made. So let her identify as a goat. Nobody cares. I don't care. I it, it, in the end, it does not affect me in any way, shape, or form. As long as so, I I actually have I actually just came across this um the other day, and it kind of relates to you know just. It's kind of one of my mantras in life, and it says, oops, wrong, wrong, wrong place. Let me pull this up. It says, if you have a problem with me, call me. If you don't have my number, that means you don't know me well enough to have a problem. Go away. Um, and that's just my, kind of my mantra. So in so the now, end, does it really matter? Now, what you if know the that person... I, I'm personally very sympathetic to that idea because you know I, I there's I'm sympathetic to the idea of gender nihilism. Okay. Um, it, it, it's not affecting anyone else. So, I mean, if she wants to identify as black, I'm I'm all power to her, and good luck in your life, and you know whatever. But um, so now, I, I am what? I know who I am. Maybe she what knows if, who she is. What if she decides she wants to change her appearance to match her chosen identity? Changing your appearance now that's now now, you, now you're now you're talking maybe blackface and now you're talking about you right, know right now you're talking you know in, in I'm not black so I don't have a dog in that fight but it's I I I, I still agree that that it's wrong I mean nobody should should try to culturally appropriate anyone else's cultural culture. Um, however, within with there, but there is a, there is a point where it does go too far. Like um, I recently saw here. Huh? <laughs> what was that? I said, there's a billion cans of worms here that were. No, no, it, there is. It, 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 it's kind of big, um, a big topic. But yeah. there, you know, there's. So I, I recently saw um, a, a on Facebook. Um, this girl got ridiculed for wearing a kimono. And because that was, according to some people, that was cultural appropriation. But according to the actual Japanese, you know, wearing a kimono, they said, no, please wear the kimono. We want you to to understand our, where we come from and, and please, you know, wear it. And, and, and this is where it comes from. Do, go do that. 
we want to, we want to celebrate our 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 cultural but when it comes to um you know a black um doing blackface that is you know kind of more of a no-no because now you're actually trying to um for 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 you know throughout history it's been kind of a you know racial joke and that's where you start drawing the line, I guess. I don't know where that line is, but... How is that different from trans-exclusionary radical feminists? Oh, God. Now you're going to go there. <laughs> as, I mean, I, as I said, I was going to like try to point out in Steel Man, if we were having this discussion with somebody in the field, they will go there. How do I, we oh, I, like, like We want to think about how we want to respond to this. Well, I mean, okay. it's already mainstream. We've just had Richard Dawkins, who has a lot of support in that argument, um, making that, you know, the, having that discussion in public. I mean, that's this. The conversation's already out there. As for turfs, I usually just ignore them because they're just full of hot air. Um, and I really, I mean, yeah, I've come across a few here and there. But for the most part, um, most everybody in my community, we just try to ignore them as much as possible. Um, it, like, uh, so um, the the current one is, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, right, writes Harry Potter. Everybody's up. Uh, Rowling. Rolling. Yeah, 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 Rowling. Yeah, Rowling. Um, and her, her, her basically, you know, throwing her turf boots into the, into the mix. Um and people supporting her and most everyone I know, everyone I know is like, yeah, I'm never buying another Harry Potter item ever. Um, unfortunately, because of the, they were good books and, you know, she had a great universe to explore. Um, but I'll never buy another, uh, another thing from her ever again. Um, but then you've got people like, I, you know, just in the dirty rolling around in the mud, Facebook conversations that, I find myself in, I, I find a lot of conservatives that really do, you know, they, they're using the same arguments that, you know, men are coming in and trying to take women's, you know, rights away that they've established. And those arguments resonate with them. Um, so, I mean, it is influencing the way people think. So even if, I mean, I feel like if we just ignore it, then it just, I'm not, propagates. I'm, well, see, I'm not here to take anyone's rights away from anyone. I just want to be myself. Um, I don't think that, so my argument for, you know, when people say, you know, that they're, they're trying to, I'm trying to take rights away from somebody else. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to gain my own rights to be able to be recognized as me. Um, I'm not trying to take anyone away from anything from anybody. Um, I'm a woman. Period. End of story. And should be included in, you know, anything female that, 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 you know, any sort of thing. I go into the women's room. I've gone into women's dressing rooms. I've, um, because I'm a woman, that's where I'm supposed to change. I'm definitely 100% not going into the male one because that would be awkward. Um, I'm in there to do my, you know, do my business and do my thing. And so... I, um, another one of the other arguments is that um, we're trying to lie to men to get them to sleep with us, and that's definitely not true. Um, because I'm I'm actually pan and don't give a crap who I'm sleeping with, uh, as long as they want to sleep with me too. <laughs> there, yeah. But there's there's so many different so many different aspects to this thing. It's it's. Yeah, like you said, it's a big, huge can of worms. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, just don't it's... feel like they're the same. Um, they, they, kind of, they're not Kind the of for same. some of the reasons that I, I gave before was that, you know, when you start getting into, if if you want to attribute, like, traits to races, I mean, that doesn't hold water, but it starts getting um, really race realist weird. Like, you're... and. That's where I think it starts to become problematic, where you just don't have that same dynamic with 
with gender, you know, there actually are influences into how you experience, you know, your own gender gender identity. But I don't think that that holds true, you know, the same way uh, through your biology as it does, you know, when when you're talking about race. And that's, that's kind of the distinction that, that, you know, with what little I've kind of looked into it, that's kind of my take on it. Well, the, there is there is a physical situation with, but it's it hinges on how our society works. If it were standalone, it really wouldn't matter. But like being perceived as a black person in the U.S. It carries a set of consequences or, or, or uh, awareness, you know, um, that. Uh, doesn't that's completely different for if you're you know a white person in the U.S. Stand like I said, standalone that doesn't really matter as much. If there were no you know if there were no if there was not such a thing as racial bias, and if there if we, you know we didn't have hundreds of years of people being conditioned to fear us as being more dangerous and that sort of thing. Right. Um, also, there was something that was said earlier that I wanted to point out. Uh, yeah. Um. I may have lost it. So we were talking about, uh, we were talking about, um, Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. The the physicality thing. Well, and then just like the appropriation situation, um, nobody like Rachel Dolezal wouldn't have made nearly as much noise of any, if any at all, if she weren't the president of the NAACP and had spent, you know, decades convincing black people that she was black. Um, it's not, you know, I don't personally, you know, you know, do what you do. There are people, there are plenty of people who have gone, you know, viral or gotten Instagram famous or people are like, Oh, this poor white girl thinks she's black. That's funny. Um, where the, you know, that's, you know, it's not fine, but it's fine. You know, where it becomes dangerous or irritating is when you have people capitalize off of, you know, parroting quote unquote black culture or black stereotypes on themselves and then they ditch it when it's beneficial to them and then throw black people under the bus or don't stand for black people black rights black issues um without the deception honestly you know rachel dolezal did a lot of fighting for for black rights and culture so it's not like right. you know she's kind of a this conversation with her kind of puts her in unicorn territory. I'm way more annoyed with people like, like Iggy Azalea or Aquafina, honestly, um, than I am with Rachel Dolezal. But, uh, outside of that there, yeah, you're, you're right. There is no physical different. There's no physical comparison. You can't, you can't compare something related to race identification to something related to gender identification. They're completely different things. Like for me, I think the the thing that um, kind of gets me about the argument and may may have been kind of what triggered my my knee jerk reaction to it was that the trans race argument is used often uh, to try to kind of delegitimize the transgender um, arguments. So I think that's where like you kind of get that knee jerk. Well, you know, you can't just say that that's not legitimate because this one clearly isn't. Um, that equivocation is is done, you know, in an effort to try to make arguments against people being transgender. Um, I'm actually fine with if you can come up with a good enough argument in support of trans race. I mean, I would be open to that. I've not encountered it, but that's really not the issue. It's trying to compare something that everybody just understands, you know, intuitively. That's a ridiculous argument, and then equating that with Something that, again, other people already think, well, you know, transgender, that's not really a thing. Um, also, really quick, because uh, I, I lost it for a second. The other thing is that conservatives who are arguing, you know, that trans, that trans, um, those who have done that, people who have trans, transitioned over, like trans women are like somehow taking rights away from, from, um, cisgendered women well, is really absurd because they actively fight to strip rights away from all women, and they don't care about women's rights until 
uh, it's time to hinge one group of people against another group of people. So that, like, it's all, you know, that's all, like, a grandstand. It's kind of like when when people talk about police violence and then want to bring up black-on-black crime. It's like, you don't care about black crime. You don't care about black crime until someone brings up police brutality. Um, so hearing people do that, you know, with the sports thing that was happening right now, people were talking about women's sports. It's like you let women's sports get actively dunked on in perpetuity. And now suddenly you care about women's sports because they're trans women who are transitioning while they're in high school. That's stupid. Well, it's like one of the arguments that I had, um, presented to me was, you know, that, you know, women have fought for, you know, all of these rights, like, you know, their, their own, which I, it's kind of silly just like looking back at it now when it's not in the heat in the moment. But uh, she, she was saying, you know, we've, we've fought for our own locker rooms and bathrooms and all of the, you know, the equal opportunity as women that we get and men are trying to capitalize on that or, you know, trying to impose, you know, in that, you know, into our privacy of the bathrooms and changing rooms. And it's, to me, it's, it's almost kind of like, well, that excludes homosexual people who could also be attracted to you and be the same gender. Um, wouldn't that kind of force the conversation of, you know, for bathrooms and locker rooms, why not have more privacy in general? Just because that's a good thing, you know, um, regardless of your gender. As far as, you know, jobs um, or, you know, getting, uh, I don't know, accepted to uh, colleges, it's, it's almost like they they secretly hold the idea that women are getting special privileges and so if men jump in there, you know, and, and try to pose as a woman, they're actually getting special treatment when the goal was never to give anyone special treatment. It was to give people equal treatment. It's, so it almost seems like it's kind of built on a misunderstanding in the first place. It's also another thing that's very American, and this isn't to say that Europeans and Asians and Africans don't like have senses of modesty or that people are just walking around naked all the time. But <laughs> true, but, we are prudish. But, but Amer- America like glorifies sex, but then is super repressive about it, and yes. like it seems like the entire rest of the world from my understanding is way more open about certain aspects of it. It's way less weird for you to just see like breasts or like another uh, you know another person's genitalia that comes up there's just i mean there's like whole nude beaches and whatnot like it's i I think that's very very prudential christian of america yeah to glorify and keep it sacred well and we've i think we've so like repressed ourselves sexually to the degree that we're like hyper fixated on it too because we're like you know, sex deprived. So that's a whole nother subject that we've, we've kind of touched on before, but, um, I mean that I don't want to bunny trail onto a completely different topic, but look at the little trap. I mean, we've gone all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that that's actually really common for a, a very good, like when we're talking about, you know, political and social issues, we should be very skeptical of an issue that we can reduce to a single cause effect, you know, there then else kind of statement. Right. There's this treatment of um, our political discourse and uh, the development of our policy really hinges on treating you know, hinging one argument for somebody's rights or some group of people's rights against another and then treating certain aspects of whatever differences they could use as mutually exclusive concepts. And, you know, that is kind of what this whole, the whole premise of this conversation is. But you really see that in something like, you know, the bathroom thing. You know, I remember my mom and I were talking about it. My family's not a hateful family, but I did grow up as a very, very conservative or in a very fundamentalist Christian home. Uh, my family's actually typically lean pretty left, but um, you know, they love Jesus and you know they pray for they pray for gay and trans people. They don't agree with them, but they're not going to actively vote against their rights. Sort of sort of situation. Um, and my mom was talking about the bathroom thing, and I was like, "Mom, this bathroom in this house right here is a gender neutral bathroom." <laughs> And she was just like, oh, that makes sense. You know, it was a really short conversation. Yeah. Um, but, like, 
<laughs> Simple solutions. <laughs> well, well, like some of the best best bathrooms I've been in, like large public bathrooms, have been in truck stops where it's literally an actual door to every stall. So you could walk in and go into a stall and it's like your own room. I mean, I don't really want to hear other people doing their things or, you know, other people to hear me. I like that privacy. Um, why why is that suddenly like not an issue if you're the same sex? Like to me, that's still awkward and uncomfortable uh, regardless. So to me, that's kind of a, a non-issue. I think we, we, we have better solutions than just, you know, what, what we currently do. But that's, that's that. <laughs> yeah. That's its own subject. No, that, that, that one was, that's kind of the part of the subject we covered last time on the show. So yeah, I, I think, I feel like this is probably a good place to put a pin in it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it initially, it does seem like a pretty silly argument and then kind of delving into it. It's like, well, maybe there are some comparisons to make. And then, you know, delving deeper, I, I still don't think it holds up. I, I think there, and maybe yeah. that's because I don't really subscribe to, you know, gender is entirely socially constructed. I think that there are other, you know, factors that influence how people experience their own gender. And I don't think that's the case um, the same way for, for race. I think that you know, it, it has more to do with your, uh, your existence within society um, is going to, influence your racial experience and i think that there's some biology that can ex influence your your gender experience so to me the, the two aren't the same and that's uh, yeah that's exactly where i stand i, right. I, I so, one the, the, i don't think um the argument is there so so yeah as far as the uh uh you know richard dawkins losing his humanist status i I don't really care either way, but to me, that that statement either expresses ignorance or it expresses a an attempt to delegitimize transgender issues. So maybe he's not quite so deserving of the humanist status that he held. So um, I'm I'm fine with him losing it. I don't really care. He's he's got some informative things, and he's also had some kind of shit takes on some other issues. So. I'm kind of indifferent. <laughs> A yeah. similar boat. I've actually been increasingly annoyed with all of the four horsemen for one reason or another. Yeah. <laughs> with regard to with, with regard to um, various hot takes, and I'm like, how can you be this forward thinking in this area and then just. Yeah, you know, and then so, drop the I, ball know, in a whole in a whole other area. <laughs> <I think Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that that actually might be a good a good topic at some point for the for the yeah. podcast. It's right. like just because a person has a rational take on some particular subject or category of subjects, is no guarantee that they're going to be an expert in the myriad yeah. fields that the four horsemen have tried to tackle. Right. Probably Dan Dennett's had the best luck since he. He seems to know where he to, you know, hang his hat. True. Yeah. Expertise can be very specialized. But, but his take be... on consciousness drives me batty. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. his take on, on, on free with a compatibilist argument also drives me batty. But uh, I'll have to save that for definitely another day when Ben Watkins can come and drag me through the dirt again. Yeah. Man. <laughs> Does anyone have any kind of final thoughts or, or you want to leave us with? Or I think I've kind of said my 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 take. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, I think we've covered most everything. In fact, we went off in the weeds a couple times. Yeah. But um but I, I just don't think that, that that the argument holds water and um I would love to see somebody throw that against me because it, it's just like I said earlier, apples, oranges, they're not the same thing. Yeah, they both may be fruit, and they may, may you know both be round, but that's as far as they they're the same. Um, I just uh, don't I don't subscribe to it, and it's just something that uh, I I think there's too many too many other factors that influence gender. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's uh, I think that's fair. All right, and that is another episode on something of a controversial subject <laughs> um do you disagree 
you want to come on and talk to us about it, go to analyzepodcast.com, click on the become a guest link and fill out the form and we'll reach out. We'll talk to you uh, about where we're wrong. Also, uh, go to our Facebook, uh, just search for Analyze Podcast on Facebook and you can like the page and you can get updates about episodes and have conversations about upcoming topics we're going to discuss. And finally, uh, consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers where you can get access to exclusive content that's not publicly available for free, as well as uh, access to our Discord group where you can have conversations with us directly. And otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.